Thursday, December 10th, 2020. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we present a report on Rivendell, our church and order headquarters in Silverado, California, where we have our magical temple and outdoor hinge. Rivendell just survived its third near disaster in this century last week. Thanks to the god and the goddess, the archangels Raphael and Mikael, uh, Peralda, queen of the sylphs, and Zephyrus, the wind, and the sylphs, and the salamanders, and our local fire department, we at Rivendell, and Rivendell itself survived without damage, while 17 other homes in our town were destroyed. So this week, the Hermetic Hour will honor and appreciate its home, and get a history of the place, and its unique community. So if you want to find out about America's Magical Headquarters, uh, stay with us and I'll be your tour guide. Now, you may recall last week that I I, I had been evacuated. I was forced to evacuate uh, from Rivendell, and then I was broadcasting, you know, from... Uh, from my wife's home in in uh, in, in Hawthorne, uh, Rocket City, and wasn't really sure whether Rivendell was still standing because when I left at ten o'clock in the morning on on uh, Wednesday, the flames were rising up apparently right behind my house. And actually, they were a little further away, but it being uh, night, you know, it, 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 it looked like they were a lot closer. So <laughs> what I could do. In the middle of the night, the power was off, and the fire department was knocking at the door, and they said, you got to get out of here. And so I just, all I could do was grab my cat, Blackie, and get him in the carrier and and uh, get down to the car and take off. And and uh, they flagged me through a whole line of fire trucks so I could get out of the canyon. And so I wasn't really sure last, uh, uh, you know, when, uh, when we went on last week, I wasn't really sure. Uh, whether whether we had a whether we had a place to go go home to or not, and sure enough, we did. Now the story of America's Rivendell actually begins 13 years before I acquired the Silverado property back in 1997. Back in April of 1984, I took my three-day Holy Guardian Angel retreat in the Mont Salvat Temple in Pasadena, California. Now, Montsovat had been our temple and headquarters since 1974. The Magic of Solomon was filmed there. Our HGA retreat is similar to a shamanic vision quest. The aspirant stays in the temple for three days, fasting and invoking not one but three guardian angels, one for the ascendant, one for the planetary ruler, and, most importantly, the one who represents God in all our incarnations and overrules the inclinations of our natal horoscope. In my case, this holiest of HGAs made several predictions and gave me assignments. He said I would acquire an estate where I would establish the seven degrees of Craterapola and teach my students and colleagues. Well, ten years later, I was able to retire from industry and begin my search for a new home and headquarters. Mont Sauvage was a beautiful property 
and temple, and it had served us well for over a decade, but it was too small to serve our growing membership and guest list. And yet I still wanted a retreat in a remote area. We had started in Topanga Canyon in 1970, sharing the Moonfire Temple overlooking Santa Monica Bay. And I yearned for a similar remote setting. Let me digress a little bit and talk about that. Uh, actually, before I, I founded the OTA, I had been exploring and I had been searching for this Moonfire Temple. Uh, I don't know how many of you remember a Paul Newman film called Harper. It was a detective uh, movie. Uh, but in Harper, which came out back in the, about 19, how about 1964 or 65, something like that, uh, it was set in Southern California in Los, the Los Angeles area. And in the film, there was a temple on top of a mountain overlooking the Pacific. And this was very, very interesting architecture. This temple had a had a big uh, opening in the in the in the center and a and a sort of a an island in the middle of a pool. Uh, the, the island was like an eye, and it was a fire pit. This was a fascinating uh, structure. And in fact, it was pretty obvious from the fact that this was a low budget film. And it was pretty obvious that they had borrowed this temple. It wasn't built for the movie. They'd obviously borrowed this temple. And so, uh, back in nineteen, uh, back in nineteen sixty-six and sixty-seven, when I was in my motor motorcycle phase, I was exploring, looking for this temple. I knew it, and I was, and I had heard that it was in Topanga Canyon. So I had. I, I started exploring around Topanga Canyon and asking questions of the locals. Oh, yeah, they knew about it. And, uh, in fact, they said that uh, you can find out about it at the Moonfire Inn. Well, the Moonfire Inn at that time, and, of course, now at this time, this, this was 1960, 66, 67. This was, this was during the, the tail end of the, of the psychedelic flower children era, uh, the hippie era. And uh, so the Moonfire Inn was a ramshackled old uh, uh, place hanging out over the over the gorge. It was cantilevered out over the gorge uh, in Topanga. And this was a very, you know, if you, if you kind of like that, that, that hippie culture, this was a very romantic place because it was, it was made of old driftwood. It was kind of ramshackled, and yet it was counted cantilevered, you know, with steel beams hanging out over the out, out over the Topanga Gorge, and and it was all vegetarian, and uh, and uh, had uh, beautiful young girls uh, in tie-dyed t-shirts, you know, uh, and nothing much else, uh, serving vegetarian menus, and. This was the the public outlet for the Moonfire Temple, which was back up in the hills, overlooking the uh, Santa, uh, Santa Monica Bay. Anyway, I I found out 
from the girls at the at the moonfire that the that the temple and of course the moonfire inn were uh, were owned by by Louis Marvin, a very very wealthy fellow who who was uh, divided his time between uh, British Honduras, Belize, which is a place I'd also been, uh, and and here in in Southern California. So. I went from the Moonfire Inn uh, on my motorcycle all the way back up uh, into the into the hills and found the the, the Moonfire Temple. But but Louis, uh, the owner of the temple, he wasn't uh, he wasn't there at the, at the time. So I, I at least I explored it, you know, and and it it looked like a flying saucer had landed this 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 uh, on the top of the hill, uh, and. And uh, this was a fascinating place, and and uh, and so I started to make weekly visits to the temple. I was living at the time. I was living in Manhattan Beach. I had a little a little apartment in Manhattan Beach, and I but I but I every weekend every weekend every Saturday or so I'd I'd get on my motorcycle and go up and, and visit the temple, and sure enough. Louis showed. Uh, Louis was up there when I on one of my visits, and uh, and it was a little bit hostile at first. You know, when I when I pulled up to the temple in my motorcycle and all, hey, he was a little hostile. But then he noticed my fraternity ring, and he and he realized that we'd both been in the same college fraternity. He was he was in at Duke, and I was at Stetson in Florida, but we were both uh, in the same fraternity. And so we, we we began to hit it off and realized that we had a lot in common. Louis, uh, except that Louis was an ardent vegetarian, and and uh, and I began to find out about his philosophy and all. And and, and I, he uh, he had was such an ardent vegetarian and and uh, animal rights activist. And he had even sneaked into slaughterhouses and made and made movies of, of animals being slaughtered and and he, he he was quite an activist. At one time <laughs> at one time uh in a protest he took a live camel into McDonald's one time in a protest. Louis was Louis was was really a delightful character. And he uh he also in later years he spent much of his time Writing music, composing music for animals and zoos. He thought that animals and zoos needed music to, to you know, to keep them sane. And uh, and uh, anyway, uh, but Louis, when when we we started the OTA uh, in 1970, and we moved into into uh, I moved to, into Topanga Canyon rented a place up in, in Glenview, the northern end of the canyon. And, of course, uh, we made a kind of a deal with Louis uh, that when he was in British Honduras, we could, we could use his temple on the top of the mountain. And, and oh, boy, this was, this was terrific. So here is, here's our little, our little organization just getting started, and we got this wonderful, magnificent temple on top of this mountain. That we can use for ceremonies, and and that was that was just really delightful. But then I remember in Topanga, this was the first the first experience I had with California wildfires. 
Well, he was renting this this house up in uh, Glenview, up on the northern end of the canyon. And this forest fire started. This was 1970. This before this this tremendous forest fire started. And here I was up on top of the roof of this house in Glenview with a wall of flame on either side of me, rising up on either side of me. And I'm up on the roof with this limp garden hose and this huge wall of flame on either side of me. And I heard a sound, a sound that I had not heard since I was seven years old. And it was the sound of many, many, not 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 just four, but many Pratt & Whitney 2,000-horsepower engines, aircraft engines. Uh, and the reason why I had heard this sound in 1941 when I was seven years old is because that was the more the Pearl Harbor morning and all of the B-17s at McDill Air Force Base flew over my house in St. Petersburg on their way out to California. And that was that was 19, 1941. And I was hearing that same sound. Here I was up on the, up on the roof, up on the roof in Glenville and, and, and uh, Topanga, and with a flame on it rising on either side of me, and I hear this same sound. Many, many Pratt & Whitney engines. You know, there's nothing else like it. It's it, 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 it just, just a sort of a, a sort of a rumble in the air. And one B-17 came on one side of the house, and a privateer, that's a... Uh, that's a B-24 Liberator with a with a straight tail. And the privateer came on the other side, and they both dropped borate on the fires on either side of me and completely extinguished the fires. And there I was up there on the roof of that garden hose, and I thought, oh, boy, you know, saved by Pratt & Whitney. <laughs> anyway, so that was that was our first, our first experience with fire, but, that's the reason why we moved out of Topanga and moved to Pasadena was that fire. You know, I thought, well, my gosh, you know, I'm not gonna not gonna stay here in Topanga. But but I I always always have a fond memory of, of us getting started in Topanga Canyon with the OTA. Yeah, I, I really you know, with Louis Temple and, and, and all it was it, the, Topanga Canyon was a very romantic place. Really romantic. Now, um Uh, let's see. As I said, our our HDA retreat was similar to a shamanic vision quest, and the aspirants stayed in the temple for three days, fasting and invoking not one but three guardian angels. And in my case, the holiest HDA made several predictions, gave me assignments. He said I would acquire an estate where I would establish the seven degrees of Kratarapola and teach my students and colleagues. So, Ten years later, I was able to retire from industry and begin my search for a new home and headquarters. Montsovat in Pasadena was a beautiful property in Temple, and it had served us well for over a decade. But it was too small to serve our growing membership and guest list. Yet I still wanted to retreat in a remote area. We started in Topanga, sharing the Moonfire Temple overlooking Santa Monica Bay, and I yearned for a similar remote setting. 
I even explored the Lost Coast region above San Francisco. And that and that was a fantastic adventure in itself. Because uh one of our Farfarian members, uh uh Jim Macy, uh and his wife Lily, they, they had a place up there in the Lost Coast and I visited them and I was thinking maybe that would be a uh possibility we could settle up there. Uh, because there's a lot of occult, you know, occult people, and that was that was one of the places where the hippies uh, took refuge, you know, at the end of the at the end of the hippie era uh, was up there in the Lost Coast, and it's an isolated area, and and uh, you know, in the redwoods and whatever, and fascinating. But however, I couldn't find a place up there that was suitable at all. And uh, so we finally settled on Silverado Canyon in the Cleveland National Forest. How did I find Silverado? Silverado is really not very well known, even in Southern California. It the whole town is tucked away inside the Cleveland National Forest, and and uh, and it's full of quaint little houses. And and with a lot of character, and it's kind of in a way, it kind of kind of reminds you of the Shire, uh, you know. Uh, and of course, I named our place Rivendell, but uh, but but also Silverado is kind of like the Shire. They're quaint little houses, and a lot of houses have have names. And uh, and I I used to, used to enjoy just hiking hiking around Silverado and and seeing the houses with the little gnome statues and all the you know the uh, uh, so Silverado. But the, but the way I got introduced to Silverado was my friend Ed Ed Fitch or Ed Sitch. Uh, yeah, I, I guess by this time we can call him by his real name, which is Sitch. But but he used to go by the by the uh, the pen name Ed Fitch. But anyway, Ed Ed was a aerospace engineer and also a, a gardenerian elder and. And a, and a good friend of mine for years, and and Ed, Ed was a was a was a kind of a a kind of a dedicated spelunker. If there was a hole in the ground anywhere, he'd go into it. He'd find it and go into it. Well, out in Silverado, there were old silver mines, and uh, the old blue line silver mines. And so Ed, Ed uh, had heard about the mines out there, and he wanted to explore them. So Ed got his his kids, and I got my my daughter Vivian, and we went on on mine exploring expeditions. And the three sisters' mines in Silverado, which we hiked up to and went into, they're very dangerous. I uh, looking back on it, I, I I don't think we ever should have even gone in there because eventually. Um, Eventually, about uh, ten, ten years later, uh, a couple of teenage kids were killed in that in that in that three sisters mine. But uh, well, we went way back up in there, back up where the mine turned into a cavern, and, and it was it was it was quite an exciting adventure. But it introduced me to the little town of Silverado, which was down at the foot of the hill where the three sisters mines was, and so. Uh, 
I began to consider homes in Silverado Canyon. Then in 1997, I purchased the home and grounds of what we have named Rivendell, a three-story frame house built upon a hillside on an acre of ground with a creek running through it. Rivendell has a swimming pool, a large yard for seasonal ceremonies, and a parking lot for guests. And when we bought the place, it had been set up as a triplex. Let me talk a little bit about about how Rivendell came about, about how our place came about. It was originally built in 1941, a frame house, and it was bought in the 19... The end of the 1960s and the beginning of the 1970s by a fellow who said he was an architect. I think he was more of an amateur architect. And what he did was he remodeled the old frame house and put a and put a big uh, cathedral ceiling foyer on the front and and uh, and put in the swimming pool and and. Uh, and converted landscape to place, and converted this old uh, this old frame house into what he he kind of jokingly called the Playboy Mansion of the Canyon. And and uh, he was a he was a a kind of a a Randy Happy Go Lucky uh, uh, version of. Uh, his own version of Hugh Hefner, and he and he had this this place, and it was the party it was the party uh, uh, place of the canyon, and uh, until of course he married one of his playmates, and then then things started to go bad, but uh, uh, the place you know it was built night originally in 1941, so so there was a lot of old stuff, and the house the house there was new stuff and old stuff. And it was the house was kind of a mixture of the old and the new, and uh, and uh, so uh, let's see. It was built on a hillside on an acre of ground with a creek running through it. Rivendell has a swimming pool, a large yard for seasonal ceremonies, and a parking lot for guests. When we bought the place, it had been set up as a triplex. Uh, he, the, uh, the 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 owner was him and kind of going downhill financially in one thing or another, and he was going through a divorce, and he set the house up as a triplex. Now we planned to convert the downstairs apartment into a temple, and build an astronomical observatory above the third floor. But before any of this could be done, we had to save the house from a coming flood. It was the year of El Nino and the rains were coming. I now realized why the place had been priced so reasonably. The creek had undercut the foundation of the house. If we did not reinforce it, a flood might cause the house to slide into the creek and a flood was coming. Fortunately, the people who had sold me the house 
were at least good enough to warn me about it. I had about a month to get it done. We pumped two ready-mix truckloads of concrete under the seawall and shored up the bridge before the torrential rains of El Nino arrived. But my reinforcement did not stop a spring from erupting behind my hillside bedroom and threatening to flood the house. I spent several nights sucking on a garden hose to siphon out the water collecting behind my bedroom. Finally, in a few days' break between storms, I managed to dig a sump and install a pump to save the second story of the house. The storm's rainfall was so heavy that our little creek became a roaring tyrant, rising up within inches of our bridge's deck. We could hear the boulders rolling down the creek bed at night. Boom, boom, boom. Eventually, we had to completely rebuild the bridge. And when we converted the downstairs apartment into a temple, we installed a sump and a sump pump under the floor. This temple had its own bathroom, making it a better facility for retreats. It was not arranged for a soul door, and so path workings were done with an overhead mirror, as shown in our video, The Rites of Magic. The soul door at Mont Sauvat can be seen in our path working video. Of course, we named our new home Rivendell after the home of the elves in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. And it did resemble the final film version of Rivendell. When you crossed the bridge from the parking lot, you passed between two guardian statues and faced an ascending staircase leading up to the manse, very much like the film version. We put a sign up over the archway to the bridge, Rivendell, where elves yet dwell in glades beneath the misty fell. Rivendell really was an estate. We had an acre of ground, several sycamore and oak trees, and one 90-foot pine tree, which we eventually lost, and erected a statue of the goddess on the stump. We continued improving the compound. We built a pump house for the pool machinery and erected an observatory crow's nest above the roof and then a flight of steps leading down to the creek and finally a gazebo in the upper patio and a flight of stairs leading down to the pool deck. Most of these features can be seen in our videos, Rites of Magic and the Dark Mirror of Magic and also Beyond Lemuria. I should also mention our stained glass windows. The decorative side windows in the house were the work of local artist Alice Phillips. So when we wanted stained glass for the temple, I called on Alice, and we worked together on one showing our Tanitra moon goddess symbol and another with the OTA seven-pointed star. At the time, Alice was living and working at Wildcat Ranch in Silverado. Unfortunately, Wildcat Ranch was destroyed in the recent fire, but Alice was not living there. The stained glass window in our temple's common room is a real antique from France and a piece of local occult history. It was from the sorcerer's shop in 1970s Los Angeles. It was featured in Penthouse Magazine, illuminating the beautiful form of a local witch lying bare on a bare rug. 
B-A-R-E and a B-E-A-R-R. When the witch left the account shop, the window went with her, and she passed it on to us. Since we have been at Rivendell, we have performed nearly 40 seasonal ceremonies, including our Halloween Samhain ceremony, which is now performed. in other states as well. We use the same portable wood hinge we erected at Bandito Campground in Los Angeles National Forest in the 1990s. I can recall Bardic Circle around the campfire at Bandito with very honored Frater Menonides reciting the entire text to Prince of Cotton, the Magic Bow from memory. Oh, boy, those were the days. And, uh, uh, Frater, 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 Arian, and myself used to entertain people in Bandito uh, with our exercise of putting up a tent without without following the directions, and that was that was hilarious. And I can also remember the the exciting adventures with the bears out in Bandito. I used to give and when we when we go out there uh, before we before we set up in Bandito, I would always give the give the the rattlesnake and the bear lecture. And people used to choke about it. But you know, they got folks going to give his bad rattlesnake and bear lecture, and they laughed. They laughed at me about my, about my bear, my bear and rattlesnake lecture <laughs> until until about three o'clock in the morning when the bears when the bears got into the camp and started banging around in the dumpsters and all in the in the, in the campground. They didn't laugh at that point. <laughs> anyway. Uh, now, fire has always been a concern in Silverado, but floods seem to be our main danger. In 1968, there was a flood that nearly washed away the town. And again, in just a few years of the new century, we had another El Nino deluge and considerable damage, but Rivendell was ready for that one. A few years later, we had a close, we had a, a close fire and an evacuation. I left with my cat, Cyrano, and stayed with Ed Sitch and Dr. X for over a week until I could return. Now, this latest threat was even worse. Edison had turned off the power at 7 in the evening on Wednesday, and by 10 o'clock, the flames were rising up on the hill behind Rivendell. The fire department told me to get out. I grabbed my cat, Blackie, got him into the carrier, and headed for Lawrence Place in Hawthorne. Four days later, I returned to find the house undamaged, except for the back gate where the fire department had forced it to get in. I thank the god and the goddess and the angels, the winds and the elementals, especially the silks and the salamanders. We had survived again. Rivendell lives and will continue as America's house of magic. So, happy holidays and, and good magic. But, you know, I'd like to... Uh, we got a lot of time left, so I've got. I like to like like to tell you some 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 of my adventures in Silverado because it really is a fascinating place. And I, of course, you know, once once I moved in and got settled in, I I started weekly hiking all around you know around down in the in the national forest and up behind the and up behind the, my my house and then all and then. Uh, and just hiking around the town just to see the quaint little houses, you know, and, and meet the people or whatever. And also, uh, there are a couple of little side canyons uh, from Silverado. One of them is Black Star, and uh, 
and the other and the other was Lab Canyon. And Lab Canyon, which is, is off to the north of Silverado, Lab Canyon was the home of a of a of a, cult, of a German cultist, nudist, natural not, uh, nature nature cultist named Wolfgang. And Wolfgang was not only was he a uh, was he a nature boy like Eden Hobbes, you know, remember the song. Uh, there was a boy, a strange enchanted boy, and boy, he wandered far over land and sea. Yeah, well, anyway. Uh, so Wolfgang was, was not only was he a, a, a nature cultist, but he was a nudist, but he was also an engineer. And Wolfgang, a uh, couple of things we... We never have proved it, but we suspected that uh, that uh, Ed Sitch's wife Janine had once belonged to Wolfgang's cult, and she knew. It. We never. We. Uh, I think. I think we we asked her about it one time, and she, she kind of evaded us on that. But anyway, Wolfgang developed a tower. This little tower, and I I, I finally bought Wolfgang's tower, but I never was able to move it. Uh, and the the way Wolfgang's tower came about, this was a perfect little wizard's tower. It was about about sixty feet tall and about nine nine foot in you know uh, nine foot well not square inside because it was round inside, but it it was only uh, only about nine feet in in uh, in, uh, in in diameter inside. Uh, and and but it was it was three to four stories high with a little spiral staircase, and so you had as much room inside it as a boat. And Wolfgang designed it as a little house. It was one of these little houses, and 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 because because it was three stories high, he could avoid he could avoid the building codes in Orange County, and the Orange County building codes are ferocious. So you. You know, you think, oh, I just don't build, a, get myself a little place in the in the canyon and build myself a little cabin. Oh, uh, that sounds good, but Orange County won't let you. And and so Wolfgang, being an engineer, he wanted to build these little places for his cultists and these little towers. And and so he figured out, well, if yeah, I can avoid their building code by building up, straight up, and then and then. Uh, it was an ingenious little thing, and he and he built it with he built it with slats, like a barrel. In fact, he actually put barrel staves around the around the tower. He built several of them, but the one of them one of them uh, was left over in Lab Canyon, and I bought it, but I never could get it out. The problem is, I yeah I I, I got it, but I couldn't get it to my property because the canyon was too the roads were too narrow and and and. Nobody would 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 haul it out for me, so I was stuck with it. Uh, I just had to let it go. Anyway, um, uh, so I drew up plans for, for what as I remembered with Wolfgang's tower, and I and I thought about building one myself and putting it on the Rivendell. And uh, we never did it, but we're probably gonna we're gonna put a yurt up uh, uh, Rivendell as soon as things get get normalized, if they ever do. <laughs> Uh, and and we'll, we'll, uh, 
we're going to put a put a year up at, at Rivendell. And uh, anyway, uh, the other adventure that I'd like to tell you about, besides uh, besides Wolfgang's Tower, was uh, Black Star Canyon. Now, Black Star Canyon has has a uh, it's kind of a it's kind of an adventurous place, and I used to hike up there into Black Star. And one day, I was hiking way back up in Black Star, and I was wearing an Earth Day T-shirt and a National Rifle Association cap, baseball cap. The imaginary combination. Here I have all these these cuddly little animals in my t in my T-shirt, and this Earth Day, you know, and it's very hippie and very very uh, 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 warm and fuzzy, you know, uh, environmentalist T-shirt. And then I've got this NRA. Uh, baseball cap. What a combination! That's when I ran into one of the, the one of the mountain men of of uh, Blackstar, one of the hillbillies, uh, Art Tuttle, and I, and and Art, and, and confronted Art Tuttle out in front of his place, uh, and in in Blackstar, and he looked at my T-shirt, and he looked at my cap, and. And you know, and then I looked at him, and I realized that here's a here's a here's a real redneck hillbilly. I mean, you know, and and uh, and he looks at this, and he said, "That is the damnedest combination I've ever seen." He said, "He said I got to He he said, "I anybody that wear a combination like that's got to be somebody I I, I want to know." So he. So Art and I became friends as a result of my crazy T-shirt and and, and hat combination. And but Art was a Art was a wild man, uh, and he uh, he he and his family had lived way back in Blackstar for for I don't know how long. And uh, and Art, that guy was really he was crazy. Um, he uh, he liked to go barefoot in the woods. And and he was always picking up nine millimeter ammunition. At the same time, he liked to go barefoot. He liked to shoot at everything uh, with his nine millimeter automatic. And he was leaving leaving holes all over the place and cutting his cutting his bare feet with the uh, with the cartridge holes. And uh, uh, and he had this little off road uh, uh, four wheel motorcycle. And 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 we'd get I'd get on the back and he'd. And then riding, riding behind him, and he would go roaring off through the woods with this thing, and driving a wild man. Anyway, um, so I I made good friends with Art Tuttle, and 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 uh, went out to a lot of family barbecues at his place, and all we and uh, his his ranch. But he had a rival in the canyon, and his rival was a character called Black Star Bill. And Black Star Bill, but between the two of them, between Tuttle and Black Star Bill, it was like they, they were feuding all the time and, and over property and, 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 and various things. Uh, Black Star Bill and, and Art were like the Hatfields and the McCoys in West Virginia 
you know, and actually it was they were almost the same the, the same the same kind of kind of hillbilly feuds. And in uh, in fact, <laughs> I'd, Art said one time he said, "Pope," he said, "I've got I got a couple acres of land you might you might want to want to look at you might want to buy." And and uh, showed them to me, and I said, and I said, Art, this borders on Black Star Bill's property. What the hell are you trying to do? Yeah, <laughs> get me caught in the crossfire. <laughs> anyway, when you when you walk up the road, Black Star or Canyon Road, when you got to Black Star Bill's place, it was like like Rivendell. It was across the creek, and there was a bridge, and. And you look up at Black Star Bill's place, it looked like you were looking at a Hong Kong slum. I mean, there was just there were there were chicken coops and old trailers and 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 sheds and 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 uh wrecked vehicles extending all the way up the hill across the bridge. And and it was a it was a sort of a uh, conglomeration. It, yeah, it looked like a, it looked like some kind of a building, but it was it was all a huge pile of these of these these old vehicles and 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 uh, sheds and and everything all kind of kind of lashed together. And this was Blackstar Bill's place. And uh, anyway, there was a big sign up on the bridge. There's nothing over here worth your life, you know, and, and a skull and crossbones. And so I decided I wasn't going to go over and meet Black Star Bill. But, but oh, boy, the stories, the stories. Black Star Bill was a legend. And, and the stories, uh, supposedly, he got the place in Black Star from the sheriff's son. Now, this is, this, 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 this is the story. So he got... He he this the sheriff's son uh was was kind of a bad boy, and sheriff's sons quite often are. And <laughs> and and the sheriff's son, according to the story, got just is hiding around with Black Star Bill. And the sheriff's son owned this property across the creek that eventually became Black Star Bill's hideout. And and uh so supposedly, Blackstar Bill and the kid are playing poker, and and the kid writes a deed to the house on a napkin, and 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 throws it in the pot. Blackstar Bill wins the house. That's the story, indeed, of the sheriff of the sheriff, the Orange County Sheriff's son. <laughs> and here, so here's Black Star Bill with this this hillside across the creek that that he supposedly wins in a poker game uh, on a napkin, and he stays there for years. And 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 uh, there's all kinds of stories about how he makes his living, and I'm not going to repeat them because you know I have nothing against Black Star Bill personally. I I you know I never personally met him, but. I heard all these wild stories about him. Of course, a lot of them from Art. And uh, and finally, though, a few years back, about uh, ten years back, I guess, Black Star Bill got finally got run out of the canyon. 
and so did Art Tuttle. Art Tuttle got run out of the canyon for doing what what so many canyon people have have done, and that's have these trash fires using a 55-gallon drum for an incinerator. And what they do is they take a 55-gallon drum and fill it up with, uh, you know, knock a bunch of holes in it so it can breathe, and then fill it up with a bunch of trash and then set it on fire. Like it, it becomes like an incinerator. But the problem is it starts fires. And, boy, the fires, of course, in the canyon, uh, at, especially during Santa Ana season, that, that's terrible. So, so uh, Bart started one of these incinerator fires. The fire department got him. And they eventually, eventually Art actually shot at a fire truck. And, 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 and this was, he, he shot at a fire truck. And you don't do this in Orange County. You don't shoot at the fire truck. And, and, and because, you know, they, they, they sent the fire truck out to stop one of his incinerator fires. And he started shooting at the fire truck. So that was the end. So Art Tuttle had to leave the canyon. Well, then Black Star Bill was not far behind because Black Star Bill, they got his septic tank overflowed and he polluted the creek, and so they got rid of Black Star Bill. That leads us to another interesting story. Uh, so Black Star Bill gets run out and Ark gets run out, so, so the, two, the two feuding hillbillies are no longer in the canyon. And, Black, and then one of my, one of my friends takes over Blackstar Bill's area to clean it up. You know, apparently nobody ever honored his napkin deed, you know, and I don't know how. Somebody, I, I eventually met the people who got the place, Blackstar Bill's place, and, and uh, I didn't ask them, you know, about how they got it. Uh, I just made friends with them. Uh, but anyway, uh, when Blackstar Bill's place was being cleaned up, I went out there and went all over it looking for there were all these rumors about Black Star Bill being into the occult. They all he was a scientist and all this. The rumors about this. And and so I went over the whole place and all I could find was one broken Quan Lin statue. Quan Lin, the you know the Oriental goddess of, of love and peace, and so I I took the statue, put it back together, and took it back and 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 put it up at Rivendell, so it's in our it's on our wall of the gods at Rivendell, Blackstar Bill's one Quan Lin statue. That was all that I could find that was that was esoteric in that whole place, and I went over it very very carefully. But then our local evangelistic preacher, Larry, who had a sort of a, he had his own little cult, you know, of, uh, so Larry, Larry decides that he's going to, that he, that, that we need to exercise Black Star Bill's place. It's, it's full of, of, of Satanists, you know, it's got, yeah, it, yeah we gotta, we gotta exercise, exercise the place. So I agreed. I said, "All right, we'll 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 go out there and we'll exercise." And I think 
But uh, I tried to explain to Larry, the fundamentalist preacher, that the reason why he was picking up, as he said he was picking up all this, the, this, uh, this horrible vibes out there, out there at Blackstar Bill's place. And I said, I said, Larry, look, I said, the reason why you're probably picking up these, uh, these vibrations is that back in the 1920s, one of these old mines in Blackstar caved in on a troop of Boy Scouts and killed all of them. So you're picking up, if you're picking up on the, uh, on the, and a tragedy in Blackstar, and a, that's probably what you're picking up on, is is those poor dead Boy Scouts. But I said, I, I told him, I said, Larry, I have not, you know, I've been all over this property, and the only thing I could find was that Quan Lin statue. I don't think Blackstar Bill was a Satanist. I think this is all a lot of BS. Oh no, 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 they're Satanists. They, Larry insisted. So we're out there, we're having a picnic lunch out there in Boxstar Bill's place, what's left of it. And and Larry says, We gotta exercise this place. So I said, All right. I reached in my jacket and pulled out my Tibetan perma. <laughs> and Larry was horrified. He looked at this he looked at this perma, which yeah, that's pretty he it is kind of scary looking at this old iron and Iron and electromagic of Tibetan Perma, you know, uh, so it's an antique, and it, it looks kind of scary. It's got, you know, Tibetan demons on it, and uh, and uh, but he's terrified, and 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 all of his and, and his cultists, they're all they're all looking at this thing. My God, you know, he can't use that. And I said, well, what do you mean? It's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a Tibetan Perma, you know. It, 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 Oh, but that was the end of the exorcism right there. <laughs> All they had to do was pull out the permit. Anyway, uh, so we never did, we never did, I never did find out what happened to Hart and Blackstar and, and Blackstar Bill. But uh, uh, it was, for a while there, it was kind of exciting. Anyway, um, I have loved Silverado and, and, and the Silverado people, and and uh, my my good neighbors helped me out during the fire and everything. I just love little Silverado, and of course, Rivendell has just and and a beautiful place. And and uh, oh, and I didn't mention that we also we also have a out in the parking lot. We have a shed, a tough shed, where where that was. So that's kind of our shipping department for. Our, you know, for uh, for our books and, and and all, and then we have an old trailer full of books out there, because just you know we we publish, and uh, and right now of course we're we're shipping the yoga book and Adamson's Quest. Those are our two most recent uh, publications, and they're both at Amazon. And I would really encourage you know to uh, encourage you to. To go on Amazon, look up Adamson's Quest, and look up Hermetic Yoga Volume Two, uh, and uh, and you can uh, you can uh, order them from Amazon, and, and uh, we'd very much like you to put on a good review if you would. Anyway, uh, this uh, you know just about wraps up our 
our our praise appreciation of America's House of Magic, Rivendell and Silverado. And so until next week, when we're back with another uh, with another uh, uh, Hermetic Magic episode, until then, uh, happy holidays and, and uh, good magic. The sensation that ignited Broadway is back. The Wiz. A brand new vision for a brand new day. Ease on down and get tickets to The Wiz at the Hollywood Pantages Theater, February 13th through March 3rd. For tickets, visit Broadway at Hollywood.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.